0: This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling transmission. Doctor Carl and Adam
1: Spencer. You're listening to the Sleek Geeks podcast with Doctor Carl Kruszelnicki and myself, Adam Spencer. Carl, let's talk sneezing. Everyone, let's not be embarrassed. Everyone does it. Hmm. Some people do it a little bit more discreetly. Than others, some, including my old daughter Ellie, make unnecessary, in my opinion, noise off the back. She does a bit of, choo. She does a loud one. Uh, and she un, like, just keeps, uses it as an excuse to scream irritatingly, as far as I can tell. But we all sneeze. What's the latest? What's the skinny on sneezing?
0: Well, we do know that 3% of the population, when they go from a dark room to a well-lit room or from darkness into sunlight, they will sneeze. And it's uh, I, I'm, I'm one of them. No. Yeah, yeah, when the sun hits me, butchka. Is it always the same number of sneezes? No. I like to mix it up a bit. Right. Because at one end, you have people who, when they just go between, uh, from one area to another and there's only a slight increase in brightness, they'll always sneeze exactly three or five or seven ah. times. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who, a sneeze is building up. They kind of want to sneeze. They'd like to sneeze. They're just sick of it just hovering around. Okay, they'll go and they'll stare at the sun and that forces the sneeze out. Mm. And that, From one end to the other, that's 3% of the population and it's then passed on to your children. You have passed this genetic mutation onto your children. I hope you're proud of yourself. Right, okay. There you go. Give me more. Tell me more about sneezing. Well, it turns out somebody rang in and said, look, um, when I'm getting interested in my wife if you know what I mean. So it starts off with, gee, we're having a nice cup of tea here Um, and, um, you know, you're looking pretty good tonight, honey, Mm. all the way up to what I think we can call loving each other very much in a special way and then tapering off to the, have you got a cigarette, honey, Mm. right? Well, at various stages along that process, some people, it turns out, will sneeze and always at the same stage for that person. So this guy was saying, when I'm just about to get thinking about my wife being... Very attractive tonight. I'm going to sneeze. And it turns out his wife says, I know what you're thinking.
1: (laughs) So, at the same stage of his sort of arousal journey. If you wish to
0: use such provocative language. He will regularly. Sneeze and always. Let a sneeze go. Bang, bang. And it's always. And she says, Oh, here we go. Okay, now look, um, I think the bathroom needs cleaning eh? up. Garbage needs to be taken out. And so it goes along that spectrum. And um, I went looking and I had to go back to a paper going, back to 18... 82. Whoa! Whoa. And there it was described... They didn't have sex back then, did they? Oh, that's how babies got made. <sighs> and then they described it being known to Aristotle and so forth, but only yeah, hints of what they knew. And so the it's not described much in the literature. If you're thinking that you have a disease, that disease condition that 3% of the population have, the photic sneeze, um, this is much, much less than that. Um, maybe but, but you're, a hundredth of a percent.
1: But you're saying... It's a small subset of the population. Very, very small. But within that subset, it seems to be a very reliable, methodical indicator.
0: Yeah. So the, But it's so rare that between, from now, the, the next one back in time was 1972, and there was a paper there about a 65-year-old man who reliably, after orgasm, Two minutes exactly after orgasm, he would sneeze every single time. Two minutes guaranteed. Yeah, that's right. Orgasm, uh, one minute, two minutes, sneeze, and so it would go. So, so, so or, 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 can... <laughs> orgasm. Yeah. Put the egg into the boiling water. Yep.
1: Sneeze, take it out, soft boiled. That's right. Yeah. There now there's a use for it. Now, do do do, do, do 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 we sneeze? People often sneeze when they've got a cold. Have we worked this one out you know, I remember you saying it was still up in the air. Do we get colds because it's cold?
0: Um. We have noticed that there is an increase in, yes and no, there's an increase in the number of people suffering from the illness called a cold during colder weather, and we couldn't really find out why, and so the get out of my hair and stop bothering me explanation was oh now come on in cold weather everybody stays indoors and they sneeze upon each other right. and therefore they transmit the rhinovirus in your nose to another person and that's why you get a bit of an increase in the common cold during the colder time of the year
1: and the other ones I've heard explained if you're out in the wind and the cold you're more likely to rub your face and so you might take a germ and insert it back into your system and all that sort of stuff
0: ah well they found the answer by looking at the germ now firstly there's the thing called the flu, and the flu has the runny nose and it spreads all the way through your body and you get Aching the sore muscles and, that, yeah, and yeah. the gut and everything else, whereas the rhinovirus is contained to the nose. The symptoms are the disease. You're just sneezing and you're blowing your nose and you've got snot running out and that's all you got.
1: So we're talking colds here, not flu. What have, what have we learned about colds and our susceptibility?
0: The cold virus has realised, I'm giving it a bit of... Intelligence here. Yeah. I'm sure they're not stupid. They're cold not stupid. viruses. It's realised that um, your immune system works pretty well at 37 degrees C, but not so well at 31, which is the temperature in a zone in your nose. So outside is the air temperature and at the back of your throat is 37 degrees C. That's what the air gets humidified and warmed up to. But in between, it's at a temperature of, there's a zone where it's around 31 degrees C or so, and that's where the immune system doesn't work so well. And the rhinovirus has exploited that weakness of the immune system, and it specifically lives in that transition zone in your nose. So the
1: reason the cold occurs in your nose, it's a sort of Goldilocks not-too-hot not too cold, just right to be in the weak spot of the immune system.
0: And it exploits it. And so therefore... cunning little buggers, aren't they? And so in the cold weather, that zone is wider... It's a few millimetres wider and so more viruses can live in there, have a party and then set up a decent, what do you call critical mass and keep on partying. There you go. Now, what you're saying about the uh, Goldilocks zone, I was in the bath reading yet another journal. What, 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 what else would you be
1: doing, Carl, oh, in right the, the bath?
0: And it turns out that the, you know how the our planet Earth is supposed to be in the Goldilocks zone with regard to the sun. Yes. So the water's not boiling, the water's yes. not ice. It turns out that we're not in the middle of that Goldilocks zone. We're right on the inner border Mm. And that in only 800 uh, million years, the water temperature will be so high that life as we know it can't survive on Earth. Oh. And then in 1.5 billion years from now, it'll be boiling and that'll be the end of life as we know it on planet Earth. But hopefully by then, we will have gone to somewhere else. We will have been long uh, tr- and truly a space going race.
1: We've only got 1.5 billion years till that. So we better. Or 0.8 of a billion, really. Okay, we'd better hurry up with the rest of this podcast then with Dr. Cullen Adam Spencer. <laughs> That's and I remember you were on the topic of sneezing. Can I ask you one more thing? Because I remember uh, you uh, – you, 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 I can't remember what it stood for, but you told me once about a beautiful um, acronym for a medical condition, wasn't it? ARCHU.
0: That's what you have, you deviant mutant with your previously hidden other superpowers.
1: So this is going outside and being likely to sneeze if you've walked in the sunlight. That's you. A-C-H-O-O. What's two syndrome?
0: They've really worked hard to make the name of the syndrome sound like the sound of a sneeze. Yeah. A stands for autosomal dominant. Right. Which means that it's carried genetically. Yep. Um, C means chromosomally mediated, which means it's carried through your genes. They're, yep. they're pushing hard on Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. They're cheating. H is, of course, for the Greek word for the sun, helios. Helios, yep. Because you get it when you stare at the sun. Okay, yep. O is because you look at the sun with your eyes, so that's ophthalmic. Yeah, yeah, okay. And the last O is outburst, which is their way of saying sneeze. They're really pushing this one to get it to turn into the archipelago. So the next time I walk out in the
1: sun and go achoo, I'm having an Autosomal dominant. dominant
0: chromosomally mediated.
1: mediated. Helio. A ophthalmic outburst. Yeah, even I think that's a bit nerdy. Quick question about sneezing. The one urban myth that people have heard is, and kids, this is a great one to tell kids because they tell other kids and they try it at school. If you're about to sneeze and you hold your eyelids open, <laughs> ah. you force yourself not to blink when you sneeze, your eyes will just pop out of your head. The reason we close our eyes when we sneeze is to stop our eyeballs popping out. You can understand when you think about what it feels like to sneeze. I can understand a seven-year-old kid buying that. It's not true, is it, that your eyes can pop out of your head if you sneeze hard
0: enough? They can't. They're joined on by the optic nerve, which is actually part of your brain. And you might have one or two millimetres or three millimetres of slack. Plus, you've got a whole bunch of muscles. You've got some with regard to the globe of the eye. You've got muscles at the top and the bottom and the left and the right, to turn it up and down and swivel left and right. Plus, you've got two muscles that make it swivel uh, about a horizontal axis, so it can sort of go clockwise or anti-clockwise. And all of these muscles, as well as the optic nerve, means that it can't go out. On the other hand, you do get an increase in what they call intra-abdominal pressure, which means your eyes will sort of Bulge microscopically, but only millimetres. Pop out of your head, no. Bulge slightly, yes. Uh, Why do you shut your eyes? It's a reflex. Why do you shut your eyelids? It's a reflex. I don't know why we have this reflex, though.
1: It's the Science of Sneezing with Dr Karl Kuznitsky and Adam Spencer on the Sleep Geek Podcast. One other thing, quickly thing, someone told me, is if you're thinking, if you're about to sneeze, if you really feel a sneeze coming on, Mm -hmm. if you bite hard on your lower lip to the point where you stop and notice the pain, Ah. that distracts the sneezing process sufficiently that a lot of the time
0: the sneeze won't happen. That kind of fits in with the fairly discredited gate theory, which is that the impulses to the brain have to go through a gate, and if one impulse goes through, then it stops another impulse. Um, it's sort of the best we've got. Now, with regard to you and you being in the 3% of the population that have the R2 syndrome, yes. can you stop yourself from sneezing by biting yourself and causing minor pain or yeah, you know, twisting your toe or something? I'll try it. I quite like sneezing. Huh? So it, don't, it doesn't normally worry me. Well, it... if you do the experiment, Adam, we'll give you a Sleek Geeks Fun Pack, which... which is all the crappy CDs on the desk plus any rubbish that I got mailed in the last week. Oh, excellent. I can't wait. <laughs> no,
1: I'll get back to you instantly. You're listening to The Sleek Geeks with Dr. Carl and Adam Spencer. What's well, up? Twitter time.
0: Yeah. Come on.
1: Twitter. Dr. Carl on Twitter. Someone asks, why have circadian rhythms evolved to not be the exact length of our day? Let's go back one step. Your circadian rhythms, that's your sleeping waking cycle. Yeah.
0: Yes? Circa around DM a day. A circadian rhythms are the rhythms that happen in humans that are about a day in length. Now, we all, different people have
1: different amounts of time they ideally like to sleep. Some people get by on six hours sleep. Some people say they need eight and a half hours nine hours, but what's this about the circadian rhythms not being the exact length of the day?
0: That's right. Why are they not the exact length of a day? Because if you get humans and let them free run, so you put them in a coal mine underground and you set up with everything they want in their natural day, they go through their day, and they'll switch over to a 25-hour day. They'll sleep in the morning, sleep in the afternoon, have a little snooze, and then their nighttime sleep, they'll have two sleeps, but they'll switch over to a 25-hour day.
1: Oh, so, the, so the, once you remove them from sunlight and the effects of our system... The, nat- the inherent inbuilt circadian rhythm seems to be 25, not 24 hours.
0: Mm. So it seems to be that if you're going to have the, ad- the outside world driving us, you need to have a bit of a pressure. And the pressure is that the world is spinning once every 24 hours and our internal clock is 25 hours. So it's always causing a little bit of pressure to bring us back to normal. That's what I call a really soft explanation. We know it's there. We don't know why, and it's not because it used to be twenty-four hours in the, twenty-five hours in the past. No, the exact opposite. About two hundred twenty million years ago, when the dinosaurs started off, the days were shorter, ah. not longer. They were one and three-quarter hours shorter. So we can't trace it to some ancestral memory. It's a mystery,
1: and our days are continuing to slowly get longer because the rotation of the Earth is slowing
0: down, is that right? Because of friction of the ocean on the ocean floor and the continents. If we just had the Earth as a steel ball with no atmosphere and no oceans, it'd always stay at, whatever it is, 23 hours and 56 minutes. You have to throw in the four hours, four minutes because the Earth moves a little bit around the sun so you have the sunset thing happening so then if you throw in an atmosphere and then throw in oceans you get movements and that then causes a change which gradually slows down the rotation of the earth which then means that the moon is going to move away and it's moving away from the earth at about 4 metres per century and that means that in only 50 million years from now the moon will be so far away it'll be so small to the naked eye that we cannot see total solar eclipse so get in and see a solar eclipse soon before 50 million turns up in terms of years, because otherwise you'll miss out then.
1: Adam Spencer and Dr Carl the Sleek Geeks have got a Twitter question here, Carl. Tanya asks, and this is a great question, Tanya's in an elevator and it's falling, plunging. What's the best position to assume in a plunging elevator? You've got to hurry. She sent us this tweet from in an elevator. That is plunging. Oh, the best position
0: is to get all of the other people and get them to lie horizontally on the ground in a bit of a pyramid and then position herself horizontally on top of the person. (laughs) And so all the other people act as a crumple zone and they gradually squash into a thin layer of chunky red salsa, leaving her perfectly alive and well when the door's open and she walks out.
1: (laughs) Because this brings to mind the question, some people say, if you're in an aeroplane that's hurtling towards the ground about to crash all you've got to do is to do. get out on the wing <laughs> and two metres before the plane hits the ground, just jump gently into the air because you'll then only effectively be falling from two metres, not 30,000 feet, and most people can fall from a couple of metres and you might hurt your ankles yeah. and you should be all right. What, what's wrong with that theory? Yes,
0: that's totally correct. You, you are only falling from two metres but with a speed of 600 kilometres per hour. So you have to generate with your legs your massive thighs, 200 kilometres, 600 kilometres per hour, upward velocity. So it turns out that if you're falling, you're going to go through about several hundred Gs. And we've unfortunately got terrible footage of kids who have gone into uh, mined areas. And what happens is that the thigh bone gets rammed into the hip socket and then straight up into the abdominal cavity and sometimes into the lungs. There are too many minds around the world. But anyway, that's another topic. So the point is, you would have to generate several hundred Gs to counteract the several hundred Gs that you would get on impact. And so by jumping up with the same force, you're generating the same force, and you would then do to yourself what the airplane or the elevator would do to you. Only Superman can do this.
1: cakes.